meditation? As you come out of the meditation hall, there's a room which is called one one of the walking rooms, and there's one at a lower level, the lower walking room, uh, both of which can be used. You probably have already seen people doing it, but if not, set up a track for yourself, a lane, and begin by just standing, getting a sense of yourself, and understand that you're about to start moving and pay attention to the movement. What I would suggest is that we begin by bringing awareness just to the feet. So you might, before even taking one step, bring awareness to what it feels like to be standing. Uh, Pressure, contact with the floor, heat or coldness, how how the weight is distributed. And then begin the walking. Um, you can regulate the speed. As you'll see, most of this is, is slow, but even within that range, uh, you, it can get slower and slower and slower, as you'll see as you do it. Uh, the principle is very simple. You can all see my hands. Everyone see it? You just you raise up one leg, you move it through the air, place it down. Uh, small steps seem to be easier for most people. That is, you're less likely to lose attention. So you take one step, you experience the foot. We're starting off with the foot. Raising up of the foot, moving the foot through the air, and then placing it slowly in contact with the floor. Experiencing whatever sensations you experience in the foot as you move. Again, it's not an image, much as with the breathing. It's what is actually there. And at the beginning, you may not feel much or anything at all, but stay with it. And you complete one step and then, be, and then bring the other leg into play. Um, you can keep your arms at your back, fold your hands in front of you or at your sides, whatever feels comfortable for you. What I would suggest is you do the walking and when you come to the end of the lane or the track, come to a halt and just a very brief sweep through the body. That is a body scan. Just get a sense of how the body is. And then do the turn, but do the turn knowingly so that you're turning and you're aware that you're turning. Now you're facing in the opposite direction and just pause for a second, understand that what you're doing is about to walk from one end of the room to the other, uh, staying awake during that entire time, the wakefulness being located mainly in the feet. Now, as you do this, as you may find, uh, you're knocked off course. Perhaps you'll be bored with it, uh, experience a certain awkwardness, or something will intrude, some concern that you have from before the retreat, or what you have to do when the retreat is over. It could be anything. Now, if something becomes a persistent problem, it continues to break in on your ability to walk mindfully, come to a halt, just stand, and bring awareness to that itself. Just be with it. If there's resistance, it's not uncommon, especially if you've been 
living a rather speedy life, and this is very slow, as you, you've probably seen people doing it, you may experience resistance, not wanting to walk so slowly. Don't try to overpower that resistance. Come to a halt and just experience it. Let the resistance reveal itself to you. Hear it. Usually what happens is it will thin out or leave and then resume the walking. But the walking will come out of some acceptance of the resistance rather than a denial of it. And you may find that you're standing for a long time sometimes. Don't worry about that. And then as soon as you feel that your attention is um, freer, then resume the walking. Um, during the three days that we have here, uh, what I would suggest is you start with your feet. Now, some of you may want to just stay with the feet, but as you become a bit better with that, better meaning simply more able to do it, uh, feeling more at home with it, I would suggest you spread the awareness to the entire leg. And of course, eventually, the awareness is through the whole body. Uh, during lunchtime, I would encourage you to take a nice brisk walk outside to the lake and back or the full circle. Uh, those of you who been here, are here for the first time, as you come out of the entrance, you can make a full circle. Just uh, If you take a right at the road and take your first left and keep taking lefts until you come back or the reverse. Uh, it can be at top speed, but make it mindful. Or is develop the ability to be aware at whatever speed you're walking. One thing that can be um, erroneously conveyed here is that slowness is spiritual. Something special about slowness, so that it's sacred. It's just slowness. It's not any more or less sacred than running or doing anything else for that matter. It's more what we bring to it. The slowness is used here as, as a practical measure. For some of us, it's additionally helpful. Uh, it's helpful in terms of when we slow things down, we're able to notice what's happening a bit better. And also, if you've been running around a lot in life, and many of us are doing that, that can be quite helpful. So we're learning how to walk at any speed. So that what I'm talking about now is mainly the contemplative walking that's done at a rather slow pace. Uh, if the weather were nicer, warmer, uh, you might, and you can do it here as well, it's up to you, start off, uh, let's say if we have a half an hour to walk, the first part of that at a good pace, and then start to slow it down, and then the last part of it really slow. It's very much of an individual matter. Um, if you're feeling awkwardness, stay with it. It becomes quite beautiful after a while. It becomes very much like a dance. If you see the, uh, you go to the east in some of the monasteries, uh, you'll see yogis walking for hours. It's not uh, in any way inferior to sitting. There's certain things that can be learned in the walking from the, the concentration that's developed, also noticing change, and the very intrusions which break in on us and which disturb our ability to walk can be uh, material for self-understanding. Okay, why don't we do some of that, do some of the walking. Um, I guess we'll be sitting again at nine thirty.
We're going to move into the next phase of the meditation instructions. So far we've been attending to the breathing at the nose or at the abdomen, allowing everything else to come and go. And if we find that we're caught up in something other than the breath, we very gently come back. As soon as we notice that we're caught up, we come back to the breath. I hope that enough time has gone by so that you have a sense of where you want to put your attention, either at the nose or at the abdomen. It would really be quite helpful to pick one or the other. It really doesn't matter. And to not keep changing around, because in a given sitting, the area around the nose might be more available to you. In another sitting, it might be the abdomen. If you keep jumping around, you'll defeat the whole purpose of having a kind of anchor, a steady point to come back to time and time again. That coming back, as we pointed out last night, is the practice and brings with it a settling down, a calming, collectedness, sometimes called a supreme collectedness, as the degree to which the mind can calm down is quite extensive, as you'll see if you keep doing this. And now what I'd like for us to do I'm assuming that you have a primary object of attention, and that's the breath. Either the rising and falling at the abdomen or the in-out at the nose. With this primary object of meditation as our home or headquarters or anchor, the instructions are now somewhat different in that when your attention is taken away from the breath, no matter what does it? It could be a sound or thoughts or a mood that you're in, people coming into the room, the body being uncomfortable, plans, images, whatever. You find that your attention isn't with the breath. The instructions are now to be with that which has taken your attention away so that Uh, For example, if there's certain bodily discomfort and it takes your attention away from the breath, the instructions up until now were such that you would just come back to the breath as soon as you noticed it. But now you would actually be without discomfort. So that discomfort is not an interruption of the meditation. It is the meditation. And so you would be with it as long as it's stronger than the breath. And perhaps something else comes along. Maybe you don't get back to the breath for a while. Then you move to that. But you'll be coming back to the breath and leaving the breath. So we have this primary object, meditation object of of breathing. And we're allowing whatever life produces for us to also become included in the field of attention. put in a certain, in the terminology of Vipassana meditation, if we were to just stay with the breath and constantly come back, we're developing uh, 
a steadiness, a concentration, collectedness, stability, sometimes called samadhi, stabilization. But now that we've allowed the entire process of mind and body to be included, we're moving into what is called insight. Vipassana means insight. Seeing into, penetrating seeing. And so we're seeing the way the mind and body work. And we're developing, in a sense, both qualities simultaneously or in coordination with each other. This steadiness, because we'll be with the breath largely. And yet when we're taken away from the breath, we explore that which has taken us away. We listen to it. If there's bodily discomfort and it's very strong, open to it. Just bring awareness to the body. It's already captured our attention. It's not so much a matter of deciding to go to the body. The body has already taken over, or a loud sound has already taken over, or your irritation has taken over, or boredom, or the planning mind, or whatever it is. And so we're developing a suppleness of mind now in learning how to move gracefully back and forth between the breath and whatever else commands our attention, whatever captures our attention. So although we start with the breath and we constantly come back with the breath, we're with whatever is most vivid, most dramatic in the moment, whatever is most predominant. We listen to it very carefully. As it thins out and leaves, we return to the breath. So it's that rhythm that I would like for us to practice now uh, in this next phase of the meditation instructions. This will be especially relevant if you find yourself having pain or discomfort in the body. What I would suggest is uh, we begin to learn to tell the difference between the physical sensations, which we label pain or discomfort, and the mind's reaction to the pain. It can make quite a difference if you're able to tell the difference between just those sensations that are in some part of your body, which we call unpleasant or painful, and then the many interpretations that the mind makes up about it, the many changes the mind goes through, self-pity, annoyance, anger, avoidance, suppression, Uh, perhaps scenarios about what the outcome of this pain will be, future anticipations about what life will be if this pain continues, memories of previous pain. All of that, if not seen clearly as as mind, kind of collaborates with the body and produces something far worse, suffering. We can't tell the difference between the mind and body. And the two feed each other. And before you know it, uh, we're lost in something that's extraordinarily unpleasant. And so in your attention, please pay particular care, especially those of you who are beginning, can be very helpful for you to learn that you don't have to be tyrannized by pain. But you can actually bring it into the meditative frame of reference. Learn about what it means to have discomfort or pain. See what the mind does about it. 
Now, should you reach a point where you want to shift your posture, so far what I've suggested is that you bring awareness to the discomfort because that's what's taken over and that is what's most vivid. But if you reach a point where uh, you want to change your body, the bodily posture, because you've had enough or if you want to move your body in any way, sometimes uh, people scratch if you feel an itch. What I would suggest you do is to do it mindfully. So that if you, for example, have the right leg crossed over on top of the left leg and that becomes overwhelmingly uncomfortable and you want to shift having the left leg over the right leg, do that, but make the shifting, the movement from one posture to the other, part of the meditation. So the transition is not outside of awareness. It is the meditation. You're moving with the change as it happens. So the continuity of attention is not broken. move into the third and final stage of the meditation instructions. If you recall, we began by simply familiarizing ourselves with the fact that we breathe, perhaps that we even have nostrils. just being with each in-breath and each out-breath. Noticing if we are taken away from the breathing and returning gently but promptly. Beginning to see where we're more attracted to following the breath, at the nose or at the abdomen. Finally, settling on one. And establishing that as a primary object of attention. In-breath, out-breath, rising, falling, either one. And the instructions changed. We continue to work with the breath. We continue to allow the breath to follow its own nature rather than to try and regulate it, rather than trying to fit it to some norm, some ideal. We continue that work Only now, if our attention was taken away from the breath to anything else, that itself became the object of attention. Anything stronger than the breath, more vivid. Exploring that, being with that. Perhaps finding sometimes that we get lost in that something else, that which is other than the breath. 
quite simply come back to the breath. Any doubt, any confusion, a rough rule of thumb, simply return to the breathing. It's recurrent. It's like a good friend, always available to reside in. And doing that begins to calm the mind, steady it. develop energy, energy. We begin to know the breath with greater refinement, greater subtlety. If we're at the nose, perhaps noticing one nostril is more prominent than another or that an out-breath may have a temperature that seems higher than an in-breath. particular quality of sensations around the nostrils, in the nostrils. We begin to notice differences between the in-breath and the out-breath. One may be shorter, another longer. We begin to see that there are gaps. Perhaps a gap after the out-breath, before the in-breath has begun. Also, perhaps we notice a gap between the in-breath and the out-breath. During those gaps, we're hearing whatever is there. Sounds, thoughts, the sense of the body in the sitting posture. If we're working at the abdomen, in a similar way, We can feel where the energy is concentrated. Sometimes the breathing at the abdomen perhaps feels off to one side or another. Sometimes it feels like a huge balloon filling up and emptying. Other times a very small one, tight. Perhaps there are feelings of warmth, sensations that are sharp, even painful, very soothing and light, heavy, more and more becoming more aware in a detailed way of the movement of energy in that area of the body which is called the abdomen, that surging motion of rising and falling. There too, seeing that sometimes the rising is different than the falling. And when our attention is taken away, I hope increasingly the noticing becoming there too more subtle, more refined. Whether it's a body ache or fear or homesickness, planning, peace, joy, doubt, confusion. bringing the same care and attention to that arising as we do to the breath arising.
continuing to develop. This attitude of allowing. So the field is now extensive. The breath is the primary object, like an anchor, which can be used to steady us and to generate energy, from which we allow ourselves to explore the full range of consciousness, all aspects of mind, body, and sounds, aromas, if there are any. And this next stage of the practice is simply an extension of this progression. For the remainder of this sitting, please let go of the breath as being anything special. So now we don't have any primary object. So of course we don't have any secondary object either. In fact, there's no agenda and no priority. This mode of meditative attentiveness has been called different names. sometimes called choiceless awareness. Choiceless here in the sense of being non-judgmental and also in the sense of no agenda. Simply whatever turns up is what we attend to. It's sometimes called comprehensive attention all-inclusive attention. And a term that I find preferable, free attention. What is free attention? Actually, what we're doing now is approximating free attention, probably. In a sense, there are no instructions. It's saying simply sit quietly and be with your own existence as it manifests from moment to moment in all the variety of ways in which manifestation takes shape and sound and forms images, etc., forms itself into words. And so we're attending to this basic fundamental fact that each one of us at this moment exists. We don't usually pay attention to that in and of itself. That's usually assumed. And we put our attention in all the productions now we're just settling into this simple fact of basic existence. It's really not even sitting or meditation, although I have to use words. 
It's just whatever is there, whatever presents itself, whatever makes itself visible, whatever is most vivid, dramatic, And as the moments go by, what is vivid and dramatic goes by and changes. We may even find ourselves attending to the breath, but not because we're supposed to as a primary object, but simply because it, for one reason or another, commands our attention. Perhaps only to be interrupted by a thought. which we hear as it develops itself with a background of physical discomfort which takes over. Perhaps moving into a memory or plans about what we'll do when we leave the retreat. And then perhaps the breath comes in. Perhaps a feeling of having overeaten. a sense of the body, and so forth, anything. So in this free attention, the whole art is learning how to not do anything. It's an approximation at this point because we're we're trying to learn how not to control anything, which, of course, will have a bit of self-consciousness right now. It's something that the true free attention is something that ripens and we grow into. It really is a happening. It comes upon you. But we can help it along by getting comfortable with the idea and the practice of living without any structure, without any schedule or plan, without any agenda. So when the calculating mind is relieved at least of some of its duties, we just sit. This sitting is an invitation, a very clear invitation often, to the mind and the body to reveal itself. Once we've put an end to superimposing plans, ideals, boundaries, on the way the mind and body should go and the way it should be and just relax. That's an invitation for the mind and body to unfold in its own way. Perhaps revealing the price it's paid by being controlled kind of liberating feeling, perhaps a hesitancy, a fear. Whatever turns up in free attention, that's what we attend to. An image that I hope will be helpful is one used in Chinese Zen where it is said to always stay in the role 
or the position of the host. Don't fall into the role of the guest. For our purposes, the host is awareness, observation. And the guests are all the different creatures that come to visit, come to this party. Different thoughts and feelings and bodily sensations and attitudes and likes and dislikes and moods, images, and so forth. Some are really wonderful to have and others are despised. But a good host is open to all the guests without exception, welcoming them, guiding them, facilitating things. Even the ones who weren't invited somehow have to be treated in some diplomatic way. If you can hear the spirit of these instructions of sense instructions of no instruction, it has a decentralizing effect on the ego. One of its main activities is control, directing, in order to enhance itself, in order to reinforce the notion of a controller. something solid that's doing all this. So let go of any models or images of how it should be and just sit. sitting quietly, doing nothing. No guidelines. Perhaps that brings uneasiness or anxiety. Then that's what's there. Then we bring awareness to that. Simply because it's there. It's not more or less important than anything else except for the fact that it's there. It's that simple. We become aware of what is happening simply because that's the fact of the moment. As we learn to do nothing, the mind and body start to reveal all kinds of secrets, energy that's been captive starts to become liberated and available. Perhaps fears that we've had but been unable to look at directly 
with now this standing invitation. Perhaps these fears present themselves. We meet them with gentle attention. We're not trying to change anything. Sometimes the field becomes very pinpointed and narrow. Perhaps there's a very solid seeming pain in one part of the body. Perhaps you're quite naturally then totally drawn to maybe a very small amount of space. It's as if the whole universe is just your kneecap. At another time, being much more naturally a panoramic sense of things. The first being a bit like a a zoom lens and the the second being a bit more like a wide-angle lens within which details may be rising and passing away. And throughout, that's a dominant theme. Everything is arising and passing away. The content keeps changing, but that theme remains, appearing, disappearing. What I'd suggest, since most of us are rather new to this practice, is that you mainly work on the second stage of the instructions where there is a primary object, the breath, much as we've been working for most of the retreat. With that as your main practice, develop steadiness, collectedness. From time to time, when the mind feels stable and calm, perhaps jump in. Allow yourself to gain some practice in free attention, allowing the mind and body to tell you where to go to. It's not so much a decision as a being pulled here and pulled there. We don't reach out for anything. We're just receptive, vigilant, alert. This form of meditation where there's no one thing to hang on to certainly at the beginning, is quite strenuous and also very delicate. And as your practice deepens, you may elect more and more to do this free attention. You'll know, because if you're not ready for it, you'll find yourself getting lost a lot which is a good sign to go back to the breath and use the breath as a primary object, as an anchor.
It's a little early for this poem. But this is still a fit ending to this sitting. Sitting quietly, doing nothing. Spring comes and the grass grows by itself. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.